Is your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. John, what's up, my friend? Oh, you know, just hanging in here today. We've got cranking stuff out today. It's nuts how many podcasts I'm doing today. <laughs> yeah, you've got three, right? Um, at yes. least. At, at least. least three. It's been busy around here, man. Mm-hmm. Like, like sometimes we're in here, sometimes we're not, because we have so much stuff going on. I know. Yesterday I was all lonesome by you myself. You were all by yourself yesterday. It's okay. Sorry. I filmed myself walking around the office alone, so we'll, we'll so, see that debut at some point. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's like another montage of you with the windows. <laughs> sad. Another montage of me being sad by myself. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious, man. Well, I'm excited to be back for another episode of the podcast. We've got a great topic lined up for you guys. It is something Absolutely. that we have been talking about a lot over the last couple of weeks. And organically, too. Yeah, it was just like, I listened to a podcast, and then that sparked a conversation, and then that just, it just continued to like snowball from there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we've got to kick things off like we always do with an icebreaker. Let's kick it. Ice, icebreaker. All right, John, icebreaker today. What is your favorite or most used decision-making method? Think things like list, charts, research, knee-jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me, miny, mo. You know, that kind of thing. Well, you know, if it's not a very big decision, I think eeny, meeny, miny, mo would be my favorite. Like if it's pizza or burgers for dinner all day, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I don't want to waste brain power on that decision because by the end of the day, after doing, you know, three, four different podcasts, setting all that up, editing, getting everything out, there's mush going on up here. I don't want to make a decision about what to eat for dinner. That's just too much. So eeny, meeny, miny, mo is a good way to go for me in that case. But we're talking a real decision, something that I've actually got to think about. I'm a list maker. I like to make a list. I love to cross stuff off the list even more than I like to make the list. So I'm a fan of that list. Absolutely. I. It's funny that you brought the, the first thing that you brought up because I tell that to people all the time and they kind of look at me like I'm crazy yeah. That it's like, I have to make so many decisions throughout my day. Mm-hmm. And they might be micro decisions. They might not be hard decisions. But yeah. I'd say there's a fair mix of hard decisions and easy decisions I have to make every single day. I'd say so when I get least, home, yeah. when it comes to making such a mundane decision, such as what is for dinner, mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. No. Like, I, it honestly, it annoys me a little bit. Right. Like, why is there another thing I have to do? But if I don't make this decision, I'm going to go hungry or... That's right. Or make someone end up eating sugar out of the pantry. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like, but you're right. Like we make so many decisions in a day that it's like, mm-hmm. sometimes I don't even want to make a decision, but I I'm think just, I'm with you. Yeah. I think it, flip a coin, any, mini miny mo is perfect for those decisions when you're just like, I don't give a crap anymore. Yeah. You know? And I think just like you too, I'm, I'm also a, a list slash researcher. I like mm-hmm. to do like a pros and cons list of anything that I'm going to do. That's like a bigger decision. Uh, yeah, um, that makes sense. I remember when I moved to Nashville, we were trying to decide between like an apartment 
that was like a little bit further from downtown. It was still downtown. It was just like a little bit further, like 10 blocks away versus like one block away from like the main like mm-hmm. happening spots of Nashville, like Broadway and stuff like that. Right. Um, and then the other option was like right there, like by a dog park and like right next to like you could walk maybe a block and be on Broadway. Yeah. And that was like a flat. And we were like pro and conning forever. We had this giant mm-hmm. chalkboard that like had like these two, two or three different <laughs> options. And it was like price, amenities, you know, the things that we weren't going to like so much about them, potential crime, right. you know, it was like, what's that show? Along came Polly, that guy, uh, uh, Ben Stiller, Ben Stiller. And he has to yeah. like analyze all the decisions for people that take like high risk. Yeah. Kind of yeah, felt like yeah. him whenever I was picking my apartment because I was like, <laughs> you know, 20% chance I won't be able to pay my rent, you know, 10% right, yeah. 10% chance I'm going to get stabbed in the alley <laughs> at night. <laughs> Which would in turn cost more money. So would the more expensive apartment yeah, actually be cheaper in the long run though. with the medical bills from getting stabbed <laughs> by? Yeah. <laughs> I totally do that, man. I just like work it yeah. all the way down. But I think that it's so funny, man. I think that this really leads us into the topic that we have today, which is yet another decision, which is pivoting. Pivoting yeah. in business Sometimes it means changing your whole business. Sometimes it means making a, just a different decision in your business. But John, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us what you really helped me out with this. You had yeah. given me the, the definition of pivot. I had like my mental idea of what pivoting was, but then you gave me yeah. a definition of pivot and my whole mindset changed. So why don't well, you tell the listeners what the actual definition of pivot means? We'll do. First, I'll preface that with one thing I really like to do, especially when I know something is go read the definition in the dictionary because it gives you a new perspective on what that means and refreshes you to the real definition. So that's why I started here. What does pivot mean? It says turning on as if on a pivot. And I was like, well, that really doesn't give me anything to go with. That's, you know, that's no uh, actual definition there. So then I keep digging in a shaft or a pin on which something turns. Okay. Now there's something that makes sense. We're looking at this from a business aspect, you know, and then the third definition is usually marked by change. So when we're talking about pivot in your business, we're talking about making a change. However, I think a lot of times people, they they hear the word pivot and they think change lane. But pivot is that anchor point. We're not getting away from the goal. We're pivoting around so the things that are going on around us, the defenders against that goal, so they're not in our way and we can see that goal more clearly. That is what a pivot's all about. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing for me, man. Like when when this whole conversation kind of came up, in the first place, me and you were sitting down and having like margarita and some chips and sauce and we're talking mm-hmm. about it was I'd taken a quick day trip to the beach. I was right. listening to a podcast. If you guys want to listen to it, it's episode 354 of the Build a Better Agency podcast. It's specifically designed for, it's a podcast, I guess, aimed towards agency owners, but I think it would really shed a lot of insight on just pivoting in general. And it was an episode where a guy named Steven from a company called Predictable ROI was talking about how he realized that there was a need or a desire to make a huge change in his business. And mm-hmm. it was time for him to pivot. And when I first kind of heard him talking about it, it was something that like really I resonated with because I felt like there's been a number of times where I felt like, okay, Beefy needs to pivot into this area that we're pa- like more passionate about or right. this area where I think that there's potentially more profitability in. Mm-hmm. But what I was always afraid of was the idea of abandoning everything that I've done so far. That was a piece that Steven brought up was the fact that like 
just because you're making a pivot does not necessarily mean everything you've done up until this point mm-hmm. is for waste or that right. it was, you know, you know, again, wasted time or that it wasn't productive. That's not true. You know, I think every experience, every moment leads us further on to the path that either we're destined to be on to, or to where, you know, where our passions, desires change. And I think that that's something else to bring up. I don't even think we talked about this on our first go of this mm-hmm. interview that we recorded, but yeah. I think as we grow as people, our passions change. Absolutely. Our personal goals change. Our needs I mean, change, right? Like you start as you mature, you care yeah, right? about different things. Like when I started building the business ten years ago, I'm not gonna lie. Like I think my number one priority was money, right? Like yeah, which I'm not gonna say that that's not a focus. Like I mean, yeah. money is important. It's what allows us to pay the bills and pay our people and are able to have a good time every day. But at the same time, like my vision ten years ago is nothing like what it is today, where I have a lot more. Like I know who I want to help and I know the kind of people I want to work with and I know the mm-hmm. things that bring me joy and bring the team joy. Where, and so yeah. whereas ten years ago it was probably more whoever has a check in their hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so when you gave me the definition of pivoting, I realized that pivoting is not necessarily abandoning the post, right? Yeah. Um, I know. That was big for me too, even as we both had that epiphany moment at the same time there i think in your office going over this episode like yeah yeah so i think a great place for us to start on this episode is to talk about some famous company pivots because i think that a lot of times again as we're thinking about pivoting in our organizations we feel Mm -hmm. that that's going to be a bad decision again we're going to abandon what we've accomplished we're going to piss off our existing customers we're going to lose a bunch of revenue but i don't think that that's necessarily the truth and john you've done some good homework here why don't you share with us some of the famous company pivots I will. My personal favorite is the first one I'm going to share here. And it's a company that was called originally Qtol, I believe. And they came out with their product in 1930s. It was a wall cleaner for the coal industry, basically to clean your fireplaces or where they were burning soot to make electricity, to clean those things out so you don't have an additional fire, you know, further up your chimney. Well, they weren't selling very good, and they noticed a teacher was buying them like crazy and using them for arts and crafts in her in her classroom. Well, that's when this company, who you now know as Play-Doh, took the same exact product and rebranded it, and eventually ended up selling out to Hasbro, an even bigger corporation. So the reason why I love this example of a pivot is because they did not change their product at all. They went out and basically did some market research, who's buying this thing and why, and then took that information and ran with it in their new brand, Play-Doh. This one was a cool one for me, man, because I did not know that about Play-Doh. I didn't either until I started researching for this episode, yeah. And that goes to show, too, like the importance of branding. And I think we've had conversations about that on the podcast, but we've probably never dove really deep on that. But like, look what a simple rebranding did for them, right? Mm -hmm. They dialed in their customer persona. They figured out that they thought that the people that they were targeting were people cleaning coal walls, right? Mm-hmm. Soot walls. But the reality was the revenue stream was higher in teachers and hobbies. Right. In the craft so they, space. So yeah. all they did was change the name, added some colors to make it prettier. Yep. And look at them now, right? Yep. What and else now you got? there's people emulating them. <laughs> exactly uh, true. Yeah. yeah. The next one I saw, it was an interesting shift because I didn't realize that this company did not originally sell coffee in a shop, and that is Starbucks. What? Did I just blow your mind? Starbucks (laughs) did not sell coffee at first? They did not. They sold espresso machines. 
But I think sales were down and the CEO of Starbucks was on a trip in Italy and he decided to recreate that Italian coffee shop here in America and that idea took off. And I bet some of those espresso machines he had stockpiled that he wasn't selling, he probably used those to open a lot of the (laughs) first original Starbucks. So. So I love that because it's repurposing and because of how popular it just got. Starbucks is everywhere. There's probably two down the street. We could probably go find two within 10 miles. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's, that one's pretty wild just because of the fact yeah. that it's like this guy went from selling coffee machines to being like the number one coffee company in basically mm-hmm. the world, essentially. Right. You know, like everyone knows who Starbucks are. Oh, you yeah. Know, and you know Starbucks, yeah. Even though there might be other countries who I would say make better coffee and have a better Probably. art there. You know, like Kara was just in Paris and she said that they were like, why would there ever be a Starbucks in Paris whenever there's like incredible coffee shops here? Yeah. Well, it's because there's certain things that are tried and true, safe at Starbucks well, that people from um, all over the country yeah. like. Yeah, so American there they tourism, are. yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. that's wild. I know. And then the third case study we get here is one of the most amazing case studies. If you've never looked into it, you really should. Netflix, them going from these things that you may know or not know of called DVDs. Now, if Mm, you don't know what a DVD is, (laughs) it's basically a plastic disc that has a movie on it and you can put it into a a player or your computer back when they had drives on them and you could watch it. (laughs) Wow, man. Can't believe you have to explain this. (laughs) It was a good explanation, right? It's good. It's very good. Yeah, but basically what they did is they changed their entire model. They were doing rental DVDs. And I think why this one is so interesting is because you had other services in the similar fashion that are no longer here at all, like not Best Buy. Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Yeah. 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 And companies, I mean, really, you're exactly right about that. When you think about our childhood, you know, we're in our Mm -hmm. 30s. We grew up going into Blockbusters to rent movies. I mean, when they yeah. were still tapes, VCR, mm-hmm. you know, VCRs and tapes. I remember paying a did not rewind fee. At yes, that's right. Yeah. Like we grew up in that era where, you know, the younger people listening to this show in this new generation, they have never experienced going into a movie rental store. I mean, the, the, probably the closest experience they have is going up to a red box and checking out a DVD, but it, this experience is not the same at all. But mm-hmm. Those companies were all over the country, but really only one truly stands out as the company that decided we're going to do something about this. We're not going right. to just, we're not going to have to start all over again with a whole new business, you know, in theory, with a whole different type of business because this, you know, revenue stream is going away. Because think about it. Imagine had the original, you know, founders of Netflix said, mm-hmm. all right, well, no one buys DVDs anymore. So guess that was a, a good run. Yeah. Let's go open up a coffee shop. Yeah, it was fun, guys, but yeah, that's it. What? Like, that (laughs) would have changed, like, the course of, you know, streaming as we know it today. Because I think Netflix has even kind of influenced this subscription-based model that we go off of. Because everyone was paying for that. They learned the value of paying a subscription service, and I think across the board, it has been translated everywhere. You're right. I Mm -hmm. think that... Starbucks is like, or excuse me, Netflix is like that analogy that you use to talk about something that you pay monthly for. It's like, oh, if it's something cheap like a Netflix subscription, then I'm cool with paying Mm -hmm. for it monthly. Like Netflix is synonymous with this recurring revenue model or a subscription-based model where a lot of Mm -hmm. companies before were, you know, the service model or the pricing model was all like licensed-based. Like you pay one time for a license and 
or you mm-hmm. bought it one time on a disc and installed it on your computer. Like you and oh, I remember yeah. whenever if you wanted Microsoft Word or, or Photoshop or any of these tools, you had to buy the yeah. discs for a lot of money and install yep. it on your computer. And whenever mm-hmm. you wanted to get a new computer, you either had to hope that it was compatible with the new version or had to buy <laughs> the discs all over again, right? Buy the new version, yeah. And everything's completely changed now. Everything's subscription. You always have the latest version of every piece of software, Mm -hmm. right? And I kind of understand why they went to that model with software because it allows you to update it easier. It it makes sense with software to me, 100%. There's some things I think I'd like to go back to the... Yes, me too. But, you know, (laughs) I digress. I think Netflix is just an amazing study altogether. Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing to remember when we're talking about pivoting is you're not jumping ship. It is anchoring your ship and turning it towards the profits. Absolutely, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, niche is where the rich is, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what Netflix did. I mean, they turned to the streaming, which was their new profit instead of the DVDs. That was no longer profit, but over in the streaming. man. Like, yeah. That's 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 a pivot. That's the pivot, you know, was the Mm -hmm. fact that they didn't say, oh my God, this industry is going under, sell all of our you know, stocks or sell all of our supply and like go start Abandoned a new company shit. that's completely – like again, like go open a coffee shop, go open a lawn company. It's like no, yeah. they realized that if people – if they wanted to retain customers, they needed to have some type of subscription model. They needed to go mm-hmm. towards streaming. They were probably looking at people like YouTube at the time who were doing – a lot, a lot, a lot of eyeballs were on YouTube, right? I guarantee you that had a big factor to do with it. And so they said, okay, well, if we want to compete with that, then we have to have our own subscription service. And I think there was other people that were leading the pack then too. I mean, people like, you know, Spotify and Pandora, they were offering streaming on the music side. And it was like, okay, wait a minute, what happened to iTunes? What happened to buying a CD? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, that wasn't happening anymore. All of a sudden you were starting to see like people streaming Pandora and Spotify. Even as an artist, it was, hey, don't print a thousand CDs anymore. You're not going to sell them. Yeah, it's not worth it. I remember when CD Baby started coming up with those little um, business card looking things that had a QR code to download the album. Mm -hmm. I know what you're talking about. They had a trendy name for them, but I forget what it was. Yeah, there was definitely a name for those things. But it's like everyone saw that change and Netflix pivoted and they stayed anchored in what they knew. What they knew was movies, Mm -hmm. right? And they leveraged those relationships that they had with the major studios to then license them and put them on a different type of platform, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that that honestly was not easy, right? I'm sure there was a lot of trailblazing and a lot of meetings and conversations oh, that had to there go had, down. I mean, I can only imagine what those arguments were like because imagine you go from one year, everyone's buying tangible CDs, DVDs, mm-hmm. v, you know, VHS tapes. And then the next day, it's like, hey, we're not going to buy any physical product anymore. All of a sudden, your major networks and your actors and that entire industry is going, well, wait a second. How are we going to make money? Right. You know? And honestly, we're still seeing like the backlash of some of that, yeah, unfortunately. So we're still seeing that to some you know, extent. In the, in, in the music industry, you're seeing that the way that they have to make revenue now is completely different because streaming mm-hmm. just doesn't pay the, the creator, the, the talent, as much mm-hmm. as it really should. And so you're seeing even that be a change. Like you're seeing that the actors are having to be paid more like big upfront, you know, contracts versus long-term royalties. Right. Yeah. It used to be a lot of percentage deals. That's right. It's it's not the Mm -hmm. same. So, I mean, literally Netflix 
had to, you know, it wasn't easy for them to pivot, I'm sure, but they stayed anchored. And I think that that's what I like the most is that. Me too. You know, pivots don't have to be permanent. Not I think at all. That that's one of the yeah. biggest challenges. Well, yeah, in know, a basketball yeah. game, you may see a player pivot. You may see the defender move and he'll pivot right back and take a shot. Yep, from the you original know? starting yeah. point. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the I love the whole basketball analogy as it pertains. to I do to too. That's why I keep putting it in here. I like it because uh, it, it's so right. Like if t- if today I decided that we were going to only focus on selling websites to chamber of commerces across the country, mm-hmm. right? We totally could, right? Oh, yeah. And if and if for some reason it didn't work out the way we wanted to, we could circle back around, right? right? Yeah, so we I, could still pivot from that point a few different right. ways. We could pivot back to, to open it up to more clientele for websites, or we could pivot into, okay, they don't need websites, but they need social. So now we're right. going out. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to be a forever thing. Yeah. Know? So I think a good pivot point for this conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Is when we should consider pivoting, right? Yeah. That's, I think that's what people are going to want to know today. Okay. We understand what a pivot is. So should I do it and when? Yeah, exactly. I think when you're climbing up a ladder, if you don't let go of the rung that you're on, you're not going to be able to grab the next one. That's, and uh, I think that's so pivotal. (laughs) That's so pivotal here (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, you're not taking that next step. If, if you can't let go where you're at, you're not moving forward. Or That's if, right, if you man. Just I think hold we, on to where you are. You're going to stay so there. comfortable, right? Yeah. We feel safe. We feel like, okay, like maybe sales aren't as good as we want them to be. And maybe, maybe our profitability is not where it's at. But we know this. We're comfortable here. Yeah, it might be slow to grow. When meanwhile, we have an opportunity one rung up mm-hmm. that looks very promising, but we're not willing to reach up to that next opportunity. And it's like... We have to take those chances sometime. And again, just like we're talking about pivoting doesn't have to be permanent. When you Mm -hmm. climb that ladder, it doesn't mean that you can't take a step back down and say, okay, let me reevaluate that step that I just took. Let me, let me take a look at which way we're going. So, you know, let's talk about the right time to pivot and let's talk about some things that, you know, maybe what you shouldn't do. I think there's a couple of, you know, ways you might consider it's time to pivot. Maybe Mm -hmm. sales are down, right? Yeah. That could be Good indicator. Yeah. Definitely. But remember, we talked about this too, John. Not all it's not always the clear indicator, right? Right. Um, That's you have to make sure yeah. that sales are not down because of something else. Like when the economy as a whole is down, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to pivot. It might just mean that you're going through a rough patch and we're all going through that together and you just kind of have mm-hmm. to pace forward. Right. Right. Now, maybe the industry is changing a lot like the Netflix situation. Right. Uh, maybe a competitor could have just come online, but they're going to fizzle out because yeah. their price point isn't going to keep them for a long time, you know? Yeah, I mean, pivoting equals evolving, right? Exactly. Like, I think that's the main thing to get across. Yes, like you're not just like changing directions because again, mm-hmm. we're not just changing direction. We're keeping anchored. We're, we're just looking for other opportunities to be more passionate, more productive, more profitable, whatever it may be, right? Yeah. You're evolving as a person, as a business, as an organization. Right. Another reason that it might be time to pivot is when your consumer target audience is changing. You yeah. know, I see this a lot with the businesses that we work with. For yeah. a long time, they've had an older audience of people that they have sold to. Yep. But there's a changing of hands. There's a change of power happening right well, now, right? Yeah. 
A lot of people are retiring, which means a lot of new young people are coming up and the way they see the world, the way they see things, the way they operate is completely different than their, you know, formers, the people that they're coming to replace or to, you know, change hands. And so we as business owners, as organizations have to see that and not say, well, we've always done it this way. So we're going to keep doing it this way. It's like, no, like if everyone's doing TikTok videos and it's productive, then maybe you got to figure it out and do TikTok videos. Maybe if you see everyone doing Instagram reels, you have to do Instagram reels. I just had a conversation this week with a company and it was a conversation with a little bit of an older demographic. Mm -hmm. And the guy literally said, yeah, we don't do Instagram and TikTok because our audience is not there. And I was like, well, then you've not been on Instagram or TikTok because they are definitely there. They're definitely there. You and I both know people that we follow that are older. Uh We've also interviewed people that are older that are doing better than we are on social media. On TikTok, yeah. (laughs) Right? It's Mm -hmm. like, don't assume that because you heard some politician or you heard your little, you know, 12-year-old niece talking about the dance videos that she's doing on TikTok, don't assume because you've seen those things that these mm-hmm. platforms are not where your target demographic is because the truth in the, the matter is they are there. They're already using these platforms. They're already growing and developing their businesses because they're willing to evolve. They're willing to pivot that strategy. Because again, pivoting doesn't just necessarily mm-hmm. mean changing your entire business or business model. Pivoting might be based on the kind of marketing you're doing or who you're targeting or the type of you know pricing model you have. You know, Again, we're talking about the subscription model, Adobe. Adobe is a good example of sometimes you have to change to a subscription model because your tools are always evolving. I don't want to have to buy a new you know, license for that thing every single year. Just I'm okay with a subscription on that. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's other companies, I would rather they not charge me a subscription fee because nothing changes. It's going to be one tool for the rest of its life and they just need to charge me one time for it, right? Another thing you might notice when it's time to pivot is that you are starting to get a lot of the same type of client, Right. That's important, right? Like Mm -mm. if for a long time we've only serviced, I don't know, doctors, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere we have so many construction companies, well, then maybe we need to focus our attention to construction companies, right? We just had this conversation recently about our own business. We talked about the Mm -hmm. fact that, you know, social media, although it's a service that we have done for a long time and we enjoy doing, (laughs) it as an industry has evolved a lot. And it's like, okay, if we want to do social media, we're going to have to do it for a different price level to deliver on the expectations that a customer would have and to deliver the experience that we would want to deliver. But additionally, we also know that majority of our clients, that's not their primary focus. So we have other areas that we're pointing our attention to, right? Now, there's some things that people should not do as they're thinking about pivoting. Yeah. Right? Don't knee-jerk react. Don't say, oh, sales are down, changing directions. Yeah, don't do that, right? So just because you pivot does not mean you can't still serve your existing clients, right? You're going to have clients that, you know, change over time. I mean, even now for our agency, we're still deciding, okay, you're a customer that we really like, but I don't think we're a good fit for you anymore. And you're not Mm -hmm. a good fit for us anymore. And that's okay. But if another client came along that looked like that, maybe right now we would still take on that project because we might need that work right now. But mm-hmm. our targeting, our messaging, all of that is going to be focused in on the type of customer we're trying to attract. You think yeah. about a, a a target, right? When I think about target market research, this is something mm-hmm. we just did a big branding project. And when we do target market discoveries with with a new branding client, everyone's always like, well, I can't just drill down just one kind of person I work with because I work with all kinds of different people. It's like, <laughs> you're absolutely right. You do. Yeah. But there is a bullseye. There mm-hmm. is a 
That is the kind of person we want to work with. That's the kind of person that we enjoy the most. That's the kind of client that we get the most of. Whatever it may be, you can say, this is my bullseye. There's still yeah. outer rings, right? Oh, absolutely. Because, and they're worth points, right? That's right. Because like any game that you're playing, that there's a bullseye, those outer rings are still worth points. The only thing that isn't worth points is off the target. That's Ooh. right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it is. I'm going to say that again. The only thing that's not worth points is off the target. That's right. And man, you, you think you're going to limit what you're doing by defining that bullseye. That's but right. A small bullseye has a large value. That's right. So let's let's break yeah. that down for people because I mm-hmm. think that I think it's so. easy to say that, but then people are like, "Well, yeah, you can say that, but that's not true." Yes, it right. is. So we did a little bit of research before we started this episode, right? Mm-hmm. If if today Beefy Marketing decided Beefy's only going to go after medical spas in the United States, okay? Right. First of all, it wasn't a generic you know, niche down. I think I talked about this when we first talked about this subject together, which was, you know, niching down is not saying I'm going to go after medical companies or I'm going to go after B2B companies. Those are wide. That's way too wide. Right. You know, start small. Again, Mm -hmm. I know it sounds scary, but it's not because I'm going to show you the math. So we looked at the numbers. If we decided today we're going to truly niche down and we're going to focus on medical spas in the United States, there are Mm -hmm. 5,431 med spas in the U.S. that we were able to find based on some website statistics, okay? Yeah. If we capture just so there's 1% probably of a few that market, more, give or take. 1% of that 5,431, that would be 54 new clients. Let's just talk about an average lifetime value, a lifetime value of a customer. So let's say that our, our lifetime value of a customer is $500 a month times 12 months. So our lifetime value is one year, okay? That would be $323,352 in annual revenue on just medical spas in the United States, just 1% mm-hmm. of medical spas in the US. So wow. that- And that's, that, yeah, that's just 1%. That's like, right. I, that's such a big deal that that's only 1%. <laughs> yeah. But let's talk about the marketing for that. Like right mm-hmm. now, most companies are throwing darts and hoping they stick somewhere. And they're hoping that it's on the outer rings and they're hoping it's bullseye. But a lot of these shots are hitting the wall, hitting the floor. They're mm-hmm. not going where you want it because you've not defined your target market. Yeah. Right. I know this conversation mm-hmm. is about pivoting, but it is equally about defining your target market. Because when you know who your target market is, you know what those outer rings consist of and you mm-hmm. sure as hell know what your bullseye is. Right. Exactly. And when you know that, the way you're able to communicate to the people you're trying to attract becomes way easier. Because right Absolutely. now, let's say Beefy wanted to go out and get a new customer. I'd have mm-hmm. to send out some generic email that says, we focus on helping small businesses all over the country to get new right. websites and new sales and new revenue. Okay, great. So I'm a generalist. I'm not a specialist. I'm not an expert at anything. I'm just a general. Ooh. I'm just another website guy. Cool. Mm-hmm. But instead, if I decide to go after med spas in the United States, I can go to that 1% or hope to hope to capture that 1% of that 5,431 med spas in the US by going after and saying, let me show you a case study from a medical spa in Houston that we were able to increase their leads, increase mm-hmm. their revenue, increase their website traffic, create them a brand new website that's got a clear call to action. And now when I showcase that, what am I doing? I'm refining that bullseye. Although it seems yep. smaller, it's actually a lot bigger than you think because it's mm-hmm. so much more targeted. Well, when we shrink that bullseye down, it actually adds value. 
And that's all those things. These are the case studies. Those are value to your service that you offer in that industry. That's right. I mean, yeah. imagine me and an expert, you know, dart competitor throwing darts. He's yeah. going to hit that bullseye a hell of a lot more times than I am, right? Probably. And I it's think probably going to go for triple twenty. I might get lucky, real lucky. <laughs> but I think that that's what happens with way too many businesses. I think too many businesses are getting lucky. They're yeah. they're getting success by luck. They're and calling it marketing trends. That's right, but it's not. Yeah. It's just like. Oh, you threw a dart and it just so happened to hit the bullseye or it just so happened to hit one of the outer rings. Yeah. And if you and I were to take the same handful of darts and chunk them at the same target, we're not going to hit the same thing. Guaranteed. That's right. I mean, I would be shocked. (laughs) We have to decide what that Uh target is, what that bullseye is, so that everything we do can be crafted around that. So once you decide who that is, how do you go about making that transition though, Andrew? Yeah, I think there's a a few different ways. I think mm -hmm. one of the ways... You know, we talked about raising prices sometimes. Sometimes raising the price can actually allow you to provide a better service. Yeah. I think sometimes you can actually discontinue a product or service that will allow you to better niche in on the mm. clients that you're trying to go after, you're trying to target, right? Mm-hmm. I think, again, like I brought up earlier, you don't have to fire all of your old clients that don't fit the new bullseye. You've already Absolutely. got them. Like you got mm-hmm. lucky. Good job, buddy, for getting lucky. Now let's actually focus in and like, let's start to hone our skill on what we're going to try to go do so that every dart that we throw in the future lands on the board and hopefully lands on that bullseye because Absolutely. the messaging is right. We're crafting the right kind of content. For us, we know that social media, like I brought up earlier, is a service that we want to deliver, but we mm-hmm. can't deliver it at the price we've been delivering it at because social media has evolved way too far. Yep. Like, what social media used to be just writing some text and putting a picture up and scheduling it out for a week later is now yeah. has to be done it's, in the app and it has to be a like video. A, yeah, right. it's like daily documentation. It's like daily documentation. Yeah. So it's like if we want to do that for a business because a business can't do that themselves, then mm-hmm. we have to charge accordingly because if we have to have an employee right. go out to their office every single week or mm-hmm. every few days per yeah. week to go shoot videos for them, then that's yeah. just a different cost. So yes. what's going to happen? Naturally, one, the clients that I serve in the future for social media are going to get a hell of a lot better of an experience because Absolutely. I'm charging accordingly. And then I won't get the kind of social clients that I can't deliver an ROI for that are going to churn or cancel three or four months down the road anyways. Because another aspect of that is that if they're canceling a couple months down the road, you're not really retaining clients for how long do you need to keep a client on for them to be profitable for you? You know, you need to consider that as well. That's exactly right. Yeah. I I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just, we closed the deal and it's like, okay, do we close a good deal or do we close a bad deal? Like, just because yeah. we sold something does not mean it was a good thing, right? I can yeah. tell you early on in our company, we would sell stuff and I was like, Yay. we should we should not have oh, sold no. that. Like, <laughs> this is not a good fit. This client's not going to like us. We're not going to like them. It's not going to go anywhere good. There's clearly mm-hmm. signs already out of the gate that this is just not a good fit, right? Yeah. I think that this, and I know that we're kind of leaning heavy into like ourselves as an agency, but this applies to anybody. Right, like this applies so. to any company, any industry. That's why we brought up all the examples early on in the episode. Mm-hmm. Right, I think that but this episode could go on for hours, and that's why we're going to do a part two. I think where we're going to kind of just deep dive further into this conversation because I think it's something I'm extremely passionate about. It's something yeah. that one business out owners out there listening to this episode don't feel like you're alone in fear around pivoting. It's something that yeah. even beefy ten years in 
is still learning, is still I figuring mean, out and still having new pers- like fresh perspective on like John's whole analogy around basketball and like looking mm-hmm. towards the new goal and staying pivoted on that one foot has really changed my perspective. Like I was afraid for so long to say, okay, we're the medical spa experts or we're the yeah. chamber of commerce experts because I didn't want to miss out on other opportunities. Yeah. Well, if my work is amazing and it's incredible, that it, people are going to reach out to me regardless yeah. if I say yeah. I focus on chamber of commerce or medical spas or not, because they're going to yeah. say, well, I really like your work. Would you be willing to work with me? And at that point, I have the decision as a business owner to say, yeah, I think I'd like to work with you or yeah. no, you know what? I really, I think you're awesome. I think what you're doing is great, but I think that you should talk to this other company because right. we're going to stay focused on what we're focused on. You know, Chick-fil-A is a good example of a company that does that well. They do not deviate from that menu, right? Mm -mm. They might make some small little tweaks, but Chick-fil-A has that limited menu for a reason. They do it incredibly well. They don't have this jack-in-the-box level menu where there's Mm -mm. ultimately too many decisions, which causes you to not make a decision at all, right? And that's the difference in revenue between those two companies. And that's why Chick-fil-A, you're one of the highest revenue companies, fast food companies in the world, and one of the most respected is that- Mm -hmm. You are loyal to that brand because of what they're doing, tried and true. Yep. It is time for a hack. Hacks! All right. When it comes to making the decision to pivot in your business, do not Mm -hmm. make the decision alone. Right? Man, that's just great advice. You, I think so many times, especially like, depending on the culture in your company, some business owners just feel like the need to always be changing things because they just don't think things are going right. And the people that pay for that the most are the employees, unfortunately. They're having to completely change their approach, their strategy, their their processes, their workload. And typically Mm -hmm. it happens at such a high level up that no one down low, like, you know, kind of lower in the organization downstream has any idea what's going on or why it's happening. And so I think it's important that no matter what size or level of company you are, that you take your team's you know your team's opinions and perspective because mm-hmm. they might have totally different conversations that are happening downstream with the clients that you might not have any clue. You might just be up here saying, "Why is our profit suck?" Oh, it's because we're headed the wrong direction. And downstream, these guys are saying, "No, no, no, no. It's not because we're going in the wrong direction. It's because we don't offer this thing, or it's because yeah. we don't do X, Y, and Z." So. I it's think what the you have buttons to do, on the left side instead of the right, you know, <laughs> that's right. exactly like it could yeah. be simple. It could be yeah. so simple. So I think it's important to not make that decision alone. Ask business mentors, friends, most importantly, your team, the people that are actually delivering, working with the clients every day. I think what you have to do though, is write down your company's core service offerings, what yeah. your core competencies are, not just as an agency or a business or as an organization, but individually, what are your employees' core competencies? What Mm -hmm. are they passionate about? What do they find to be fun? What are the kind of customers that they're like, if you got a hundred more of these customers, morale would go through the roof, right? You've got to ask these questions. There's another important question to ask. What is the most profitable, right? Should that be your number one question? No, I don't think so. I think you have to decide what your, your your employees' core competencies and passions are first. Mm-hmm. And you have to do your best to align that with profitability. And I yeah. think for most teams, your employees will be open and understanding to why you'd make a different decision as long as you include them in the decision. I think people mm-hmm. like to feel heard. I think people like to be included in decisions because at the end of the day, they're the ones doing the work, all right? Yeah. So you've got to find out how those things align. 
profitability is important, right? Things that make you the most money are not necessarily the things that are most profitable for you. So you have to figure out what are the things that are most profitable because profitability equates to a better culture. It equates to more, like, you know, better talent that works for the company. It allows mm-hmm. the company to offer more services, more benefits, a larger office space, whatever it may be, that's going to just boost overall culture, morale. And at the end of the day, in my opinion, what it all comes down to is the morale and the culture in your, your company and organization. Yeah. If your people are not happy, you're not going to deliver a good service. That's the bottom line. Right, it, the customer's gonna know. Like the customer's gonna going feel over gonna there. Say, Those people oh. are always in such a bad mood. You know. Yeah, you want to see. Mm-hmm. And a good example of a good leader is when the employees are are happy with their jobs. Oh, you yeah. know. And then at the end of the day, once you come up with a plan for your pivot, it's time to establish some new goals. It's time to create a new marketing strategy. You have mm-hmm. to put that down. I can't tell you how many podcast episodes we have said if it's not. Yeah. It's not a plan if it's not written down. Right. That's right. So once you come up with a plan for the pivot, you have to put that down. Those goals have to be, you know, clearly defined. They have to be transparent. Everybody on the team needs to know where you're headed as an organization. Because if I made this big decision by myself and me and everybody in the, you know, the boardroom know what's going on, but my sales team has no idea and there's a disconnect there, they're going to still go after the old people. They're still going to be using the same methodologies. They're still going to be, you know, taking the approach down the wrong way. It is time to, if you decide to pivot, make sure everyone on the team is on board. They understand where you're going, what the goals are. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, pivot at the right time, right? Mm -hmm. You can't, it goes back to the part where we talked about all the things you shouldn't do. Don't just, you know, knee jerk react just because you feel like sales are down, you know, don't, don't decide to pull out of what you've been doing just because you feel like it because you had a dream one night. Mm-hmm. You still have to take a strategic approach to any pivot, right? Absolutely. It goes back to that basketball analogy. It, yeah. If I'm just quick to jerk around and I don't see that I have a defender on me, I'm going to lose. Take- I'm going to lose the ball, yep. right? There you go. Mm-hmm. You have to protect the organization. You have to protect the ball. You have to yeah. pivot cautiously. You have to pivot strategically. Mm-hmm. John, I love this episode. I do too. It's a great a- conversation. I hope the businesses out there listening realize that yes, we're talking about agency stuff, but this is not a, this is not a podcast for agencies. This is a podcast for any business at any stage who is looking to level up, is looking to grow, mm-hmm. is looking to increase profitability, is, in, and is looking to you know get additional leads or get more revenue. And at the end of the day, I hope this podcast makes you okay and comfortable saying it's okay to pivot. It's yeah. okay to pivot. It doesn't have to be it permanent, is. right? Just yeah. involve the people around you, take a strategic approach, and I think pivoting mm-hmm. is a great idea as long as you pivot at the right time. Absolutely. John, great episode, bro. I'll great see episode, ya. man. See you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.